Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. And this is Carmen and Yurko, WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good Karma Brands radio station. Oh, we're getting deep into Super Bowl 58 breakdown. We're looking at Niners tape now. Two interior verticals going deep, Carm, with one curling in at about 25. You talk about a sexy uh, little matchup here with Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan and these two defensive coordinators, these two play callers, these two great defensive coordinators, especially Spags. So I, I asked Carm, what's going to be sexy? I go, Carm, what's the down and distance on the play? And Carm goes, well, I don't have it because I can't see it. And it's not on the screen. The other key is personnel. Yes. What personnel is San Francisco using? Are they in a regular personnel? They are in. Are they in- to Three me, wide. they what would they appear have? to be Because Kittle's on the field. Kittle's on the field. Looks like two, two tight ends. Looks like 12 personnel here. Two tight ends. Who's the other tight end that's on there? It's uh, It might be Juszczyk lined up as sort of like a... a, a, a I can't is is McCaffrey in the game? McCaffrey is in the game, yes. So they're running it out of what sounds like regular personnel. That's what it sounds. That's what it looks like it to looks me. It looks like because you got your tailback, your fullback, you got two wide receivers and a tight end on the field. And it's definitely used check. So you've got yeah. your fullback who's not in the backfield but is sort of in like right. that wing position. Right, right. So they're running it out of regular personnel. Yes. On regular, usually they're in a first and ten situation. So it's, it feels to me like they're running that out of first and ten. They're running two interior vertical routes. They run a couple flats just to get people to just, pay attention. Yep. So they create a little bit of separation between the lower and the deeper. And then the middle linebacker is the guy they're isolating. And the linebacker opens up to the um, near side of the field where the hash is. And he doesn't see Debo, Debo Samuel curl behind, behind him, him. And really, he's got to then react to the football, which he's looking at the whole way, but doesn't react well enough because Samuel's there to pick the pass. And it's a 25-yard gain. Yeah, yeah it's got 20, use, right down use, the middle of the field. Use check and kill, just sort of and those little either, flat routes. And... Either receiver in this situation, they're both running verticals, one curls off. Either one can curl off in this situation because the safety, the free safety lined up close to the line of scrimmage and then backed off and yes, bailed out of there. Yes. He was bailing out of there to get to his two deep coverage. Yes. So, it, it, so it, they tried to disguise it as three and then they bailed on two and it looked like yes. it was easily recognizable and a Tampa two because your middle linebacker is about 20, years, 20 yards down the field. So they still run Tampa two, believe it or not. Yes. Excellent call. They do like try to make this look like it's cover three, don't they? Yeah. And then at snap, at the snap, the safety's to make it. bailing out. And but it's really notice at the snap too. Before the snap, what's the safety doing? Before the ball ever gets snapped, that free safety that lines up there, he starts to bail early. He's already taking a step back. Right. He's already opened up his hips, and he's already. I got to get the hell out of dodge so I don't get beat. His beat. hips are without and, a doubt. And open. if if Purdy at least if he's looking right and he sees that. Purdy's got an indicator. This is why football is a beautiful game. Yeah. And Waddle's toweling himself off if he's listening right now. Yeah. When we talk about Kyle Shanahan's play design, we know how Waddle gets all frisky. It's always do personnel. Too. Down and distance personnel is the first way you start analyzing the play. Yeah. And then what are they doing after that? Is there any motion on the play? There, actually, there's not. No on motion play. on there the is play. No, it's a static Zero. play, which for Shanahan, right. you know, you don't you see got a, a whole static play. They just may be further in the game where they've already got a, they've got a feeling of what's going on and what's happening. Shanahan's just good. I can't wait for this game. The 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 have Reed and Shanahan like this, and again, then of course to have Shanahan going up against Spags. I mean, two brilliant play callers in their own but right. You, on you each see, side of the ball. it was Debo that curled in from the right side. Yes, but in, in the same situation, Ayuk. It was probably Ayuk. Ayuk can curl in, and Debo can continue clear, on. Right? Yeah. yeah. 
He just so takes the other safety with him. And, yeah. yeah. Well, both safeties got to go deep because right. that's their primary threat. Beautiful stuff. And then you curl around the unathletic linebacker, the middle linebacker who's in coverage. Who's the first guy to come off when you go to nickel? Against the, the linebacker. The middle well, linebacker. Usually, the middle usually linebacker? the guy that comes out. I mean, in Erlacher's case, he stayed he on. He stayed on. Yeah. But that's the way it works. Your unathletic middle linebacker that's got to take on guards and fullbacks is usually the guy that comes off when you have nickel. That's why you attack the way you attack. Out of base personnel. Out of base personnel, you go after the guy who's the weakest in coverage, especially 20 yards down the field. Yeah. See, that's beautiful stuff. Nice breakdown. I love uh, the the X's and O's, the nitty-gritty. And that's just good design and a big chunk play out of twelve personnel with uh, you know with this is we were watching a play against the Pittsburgh Steelers from their game earlier in the year when Pittsburgh's in its base defense. So can't wait for Sunday. I feel like we haven't talked enough about it. There's so somebody, much. Caleb yeah, somebody Williams somebody and, took the time to put that together. Obviously talking uh, about uh, you know how they attack. It's uh, sl- it's um, Ben it's Ben Solak and Stephen Ruiz on the ringer. They were doing a thing about Shanahan versus uh, Reed and just what each. You know, what each play caller does so extremely well and why they're so good, why their offenses historically are so good. And I think a lot of what you hit on is because they can be so multiple. They can give so many different looks and do things out of those that maybe catches other teams off guard or by surprise. They'll, you know, you'll be looking at tape. You'll see them do one thing out of this personnel, this big run chunk play, and then they'll have the same personnel on the field. And uh, maybe it's base personnel and there's a base defense. And this time teams are ready for the run because they saw it on tape four weeks ago. But now this time they throw a bomb down the middle of the field to George Kittle for, you know, a 15-yard gain or a 20-yard gain. That's just why they're so dangerous. They're so multiple. The 49ers have so many friggin' weapons. And one little interesting nugget about... Oh, you've got a nugget? Well, I was, you know, I'll give the credit to these guys because they, they dug it up, and I've dug up pages of notes for you, Super Bowl 58. Yeah, will for, you nuggetize us then? I mean, look at this. I've got pages. I've got I stuff highlighted. Uh, I've got stuff for you. I've got stuff for you, Odds you Couple. You put the printer to work there. Oh, my God. A lot of dying trees in the world. But, you know, we know the record, Debo, uh, McCaffrey, Williams, Purdy together, right? They've lost one game. Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey, and Williams on the field together. Okay, so not even Purdy. I mean, he's been on the field for all these, but just outside of the quarterback, the skill position guys, and then they're all-world left tackle. Right. So it's Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, and McCaffrey, and Williams all on the field together this year. It's about 500 snaps, so it's a pretty good sample size. Yes. They're just shy of 500 snaps. It's about a half a year. 7.2 yards per play. 52% 52% success rate. I mean, it's just staggering the kind of like productivity, the, 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 the productivity yeah, and the, the threats they have on the yeah. field. Yeah. It's incredible. Then again, how do you bet against Mahomes? I don't know, but man, San Francisco seems like the deeper, more skilled team. You call you know? your guy, you use your app, you say San Francisco minus the what minus is it, one, one and a half? half. Yeah, minus one and a half for a unit. That's how you do it, right there. Or you go to your app and you click the numbers and you hit San Francisco. What do you mean, how do you do it? Easy. You just do it because you've got a feeling that San Francisco's your team of destiny. But I'm afraid of... T.O.D. You're T.O.D. I'm afraid of betting against Mahomes. You know, I don't want to make that wager. Well, as an underdog, what is he? He is, uh, I'll tell you. I've he's got lost those, the I've Super got those Bowl. numbers. It's not like he's won every Super Bowl he's been in, He right? did. He was also on, you needed toe surgery at the end of that Super Bowl. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Fourteen and three straight up, twelve and five against the spread as an underdog in his career. Yurko, I'm sorry, those are I've got my numbers wrong. Excuse me, let me correct myself. 
I'm reading my own notes. I should know. He's 14-3 and and 12-5 and against the spread in the postseason as an underdog. Regular season and postseason, Yerk, yeah. ten and five straight up, eleven three and one against the spread. Okay. Eleven three and one against the spread as an underdog. He hasn't even been an underdog that many times. What is that? Four, uh, Fifteen games? Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, that's not the you know the guys played over a hundred games. He's only been a dog fifteen times. Can we agree? San Francisco's de- defense has been underwhelming. Yes, they've been underwhelming. Right? Look, Jared Goff and the Lions carved him up, Yerk. They did. They carved him up. I'm, I'm admitting yeah, to you that right. they've been underwhelming. You're right. Um, underwhelming because they lack talent or under, underwhelming because they lack want. And the Jameer Gibbs touchdown against the Detroit Lions was a really, oh, my God. Uh, do you guys realize you're playing in the NFC Championship game? The, the Williams touchdown in that first drive, the Jamison Williams touchdown. Well, the, the, the Williams, so. yeah, but the Jameer Gibbs went on the right. You watch Chase Young trying to chase him yeah, from the back side. Bad. You're right. It looked like he was lollygagging. It did. You're right about yeah, that. Yeah, I Both mean, those it, it touchdowns. looked bad. Yeah, it looked bad. It Almost did. like, do you guys realize what the hell you're playing for? Hello? And the coach had to get into him at halftime to, to get a performance out of him. I don't think you're going to have that lull here in the Super Bowl. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Frisco gives you the lull. My early lean, and I know we're going to get Todd Furman on to, to talk to him about the Super Bowl. My early lean is under. Under 47 and a half? This one reeks to me of an under. Mm. I don't have too strong of a position or an opinion on that at this point. And who's but... the first coach that gambles on fourth down? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, so th- there's your problem there. Yeah, do you, you know, have who's the gonna, to do it? In this, right, this is going to be, to me, a real first three rounds. They're going to be feeling each other out. My guess to answer your question would be Andy. Andy Reid. I think Shanahan plays it, believe it or not, a little bit closer to the vest on, especially on those okay. fourth I My guess would be Andy take, goes for right, it on a fourth so, down. So my, remember their opening, Remember yeah. their second drive in Baltimore? They had a fourth and two. They went yeah. and they converted. My feeling, even if it starts out hot, you know, and, and they're up and down the field, I think then it comes back in. You know what I'm saying? Like a boiling pot of water. It boils, boom, boom, Then you settle it down. You get yourself a nice simmer the rest of the way. Even if it starts out hot. Well, that's where the, it looks like it's going to go crazy. That's sort of the Kansas City trend in their last two games. Think about it. I mean, they've come out like a bat out of hell in Buffalo, in Baltimore. Kansas City's efficiency on offense the last two weeks, Yurko, in the first half. Okay, this is the first halves of the last two weeks. Early downs, they're generating... EPA per play with a 51% success rate. That's a small sample, so it's hard to compare to like what the season numbers would look like in those situations. But when I tell you they're a light year ahead, it's a light year ahead. Again, that's it's an incredibly small sample of snaps, so it's not necessarily fair. But to generate .300 EPA per play with a 51% success rate is crazy. Now, the polar opposite has happened in the second half. They've completely fallen off a cliff. So to your point, they've been uber-efficient on script in like those opening couple of drives. They've scored on their opening possession now in eight straight playoff games. You realize that? So whatever Reed and Nagy are doing, and then the players executing, it's the script has been phenomenal, and they've gone down the field and through defenses like it's nothing in playoff games in recent history. They're definitely is a regression, I'd guess, that you'd expect, to your point. So even if they come out, you're saying, like that bat out of hell like we've seen the last two weeks, they still have not put a lot together in terms of production and scoreboard points in the second halves of the last two games. So So, Could be right. Just a feeling. I think both defenses are are, are really good. 
I think the offenses can be good, they're but they're going to be battling. This is going to be a battle. I mean, fetal position, you know, pinning guys down. It'll be a tip ball, something goofy that, that swings momentum one way. How does the other team react? It's going to be a classic Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm excited for Their it. last one was fun and fun. good. Yeah. You know, and it took a, a rally in the fourth quarter for the Chiefs to win. That was the famous Wasp play. Remember when yeah. Mahomes went over and said, do we have time for Wasp? And Andy Reid's like, yeah. That was the famous Jimmy Garoppolo overthrow, right? No, Wasp was the play to Tyree Kill. The big play they well, hit yeah, deep no, down I the got, field. I got you. Oh, the game was the I, I overthrow. That, yes. that, that had a Jimmy Garoppolo overthrow in that game, right? I want to so say open receiver Emmanuel running Sanders. Right down, yeah, running right down the middle of the field. Yes. Yep. Correct. He missed, I think it was Emmanuel Sanders. And we get the great classic Tony Romo in this game. Well. Which is bound to be uh, just a chance for exceptional broadcasts. We get Tony Romo, that's for sure. Coming up next, I want to play for you some Roger Goodell from last night as he met the media. It's different than they used to do it. You know, it used to be at the end of the week. It was the state of the NFL. They it do it Friday. earlier now. Friday when I ask my my compelling questions every single year. I, I guess they limit the number of reporters that are allowed in, which is strange. Well, they, it's an invitation only yeah. event now. Yeah, used, yeah, anybody used to be able to go. Right. He, you show up there, you were in. You had a credential, you were in. Uh, he, I want to play a couple things on officiating and on the Bears stadium deal that uh, Roger Goodell talked about in his press conference last night. Uh, plus, we got some fresh sound from Lewis Riddick about what the Bears should do or might do and Caleb Williams and things like that. There's a lot of stuff to kick around today. As always, we welcome your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Make sure you listen on the ESPN Chicago app or on AM 1000, FM 100.3 HD2. And you can watch us live in our State Street studio every day on our YouTube page. Make sure you click and subscribe to the ESPN Chicago page on YouTube Good way to watch and get interactive with us. Andrew Siciliano will join us in about 20 minutes from the NFL Network. We'll talk Super Bowl and a lot of Senior Bowl stuff because he was there all last week in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. It's Carmen and Yurko. We'll be right back. You're listening to Carmen and Yurko. Follow the show on Twitter at Carmen DeFalco and at Yurko64. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Walter Payton Man of the Year, the uh, Super Bowl festivities later this week in Vegas. Of course, Jared Payton and yep. Brittany and Connie are always out there. They'll be there. JP asked a question in the commissioner's press conference last night, of course, doing work for Channel 9. But right. this was specifically about the Bears, about the stadium deal. Man, we talked about the stadium a lot yesterday. Waddle and Sylvie did as well. Ad nauseum. I think it's I think it's an interesting topic, and yeah, we just don't have specifics. No, you know? I know, I know. It's in the details, you know. So I was glad JP did ask. I mean, I think he got a very sort of like canned answer, canned like very political answer, politically safe answer you, from you, the commissioner. But I wanted to play it's the it. same answer he's probably uh, given for the last ten stadiums that have been built, probably. Yeah, but it's interesting with the Bears because like you have a couple of competing locations. It seems like this was Roger Goodell. Last night at the press conference. I think it's important to the Chicago Bears, uh, their fans. I think it's also important to that community. Uh, um, I think, as we have seen here, um, a great stadium can host additional events. I think that's true in Chicago. Uh, I think the, the Dome Stadium that they're talking about, both downtown and also potentially in Arlington, I think those are both great opportunities that they need to explore. The good news is they've got quite a bit of time on their lease. Uh, the Bears are committed to being in Chicagoland. Uh, I talked to the mayor of Chicago recently. Uh, he wants them in the city. Arlington wants it out in Arlington. 
I think they'll be able to develop a proposal that will be good for the fans, but I also think it'll be great for Chicago. I do wonder how much Arlington actually wants it out there and how much the residents do. You know, we feel like we've heard a little bit of conflicting. I know what they want. They want their tax dollars. That's for sure. That's what the school district wants. We want our tax dollars, and we don't care what you did Arlington Park. We want the money. You think it's unfair? I believe it's unfair. The amount of tax they want yeah. for a parcel of land that sits empty without a business on it. Yeah. So I think we both agree with it. You've heard from pundits and experts. Well, I've heard from some that, experts. Yes, that yeah. would tell you that, yes, what they want them to charge them is unfair. Yes. I believe it's unfair also. So yeah. Yeah. we both agree with that. Yeah, I've asked some people that are While it's more empty, equipped to it, answer that it's than It's not I. worth anything. Uh, I'm yeah. talking about tax, uh, corporate tax attorneys, uh, corporate tax auditors, and they're like, yeah, that's... What, what Arlington's asking for is not, would make no sense under normal circumstances. Right. That's a non-functioning piece of property. That's the response I've gotten from yes. a few people that are certainly much more in the know than I. And if they end up not going there and they tore down a perfectly good racetrack, I'll really be pissed. Well, that they might have done that. Yeah, but that, I'll be pissed. I, I think Brandon Johnson definitely wants the Bears here. That much is abundantly clear. And you heard Roger Goodell say that the Bears are committed to Chicago, and that's, at this point, a no-brainer. ESPN Radio 1000, Chicago, Illinois, voice of the people. That's the biggest news to me. The The biggest news to me is Big J journalists like Yurko are no longer allowed to attend this this uh, yeah. charade. That's true. And ask questions. Well, this was an how do you, invi- this is invitation ESPN only. Radio 1000, Chicago, Illinois, voice of the people. I read that, that media members were finding out that they didn't get an invitation and just couldn't go. Really? So this is not like your you outlet don't apply. puts in a no. request? No. Mm-hmm. You get invited to go. So how many reporters were there? I read like 25. Wow, it used to be hundreds. Oh, yeah. ESPN Radio 1000, Chicago, Illinois, Voice of the People. Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, you'd always get the uh, goofball in the middle asking the commissioner about the park he promised to build in San Francisco. Always. Remember that guy? Yes. Same guy stood up. Yes. You could have ignored him. Every year. Same question. Every year. Like four years in a row. Who's picking this guy? (laughs) Get somebody else. I don't know. Well, it used well, to be anybody could go, and they would, he would ask questions for an hour. Yeah. I mean, answer questions. Question got, answer questions came to fruition. Me. Wasn't your question about having more division games towards the end of the season? Rivalry weeks. Rivalry yeah. At the end of the season, where they mattered more. And guess that, what? We, that's exactly what happened. I can't so, remember. There was that... Tagliabue or Goodell that poo pooed that? That might have been Tagliabue. Tagliabue. Yeah. That was Tagliabue. That's the last question asked to Tagliabue. I think so. In a press conference was mine. Tagliabue kind of poo pooed that. And that came from a listener. Yeah. We would solicit questions oh, from listeners. That. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And the listener came up with that question, yeah. and then I asked that question. Yeah. I want to play one more. Here's Goodell on officiating. This was a question that Tracy Wolfson asked. She was sort of the moderator, and she started by asking some questions because CBS has the game. So Tracy was up on stage with the commissioner, in case you didn't see it last night. This was a question that she had had about officiating. Here's Goodell. Let's move on to officiating. questions in here. Sorry, here we go. Let's move on to officiating. A lot of scrutiny again this season. What are you doing to assess the officials and to improve their credibility? We even had scrutiny yesterday in the Pro Bowl games. I think, you know, listen, in professional sports and all sports, Officiating is part of that. Uh, I think in the NFL, the level of scrutiny is at the highest I've ever seen it. And that's part of our popularity. I understand that. It's part of the technology. You all do such a great job that you see more than you could ever see in officiating. The game is faster. I think our officials do a great job. 
they are superior. But at the end of the day, no one's perfect, uh, whether it's all of us that watches the games or play the games or coach the games or the officials. Uh, we have to continue to try to get better. We have to work, use technology where we can to try to improve uh, their performance, let them use technology to make sure they get the right answer. Uh, but I think they do an incredible job, but we're going to keep working to get better, ultimately. Yeah, I disagree. I think the only sport in which the officials do an incredible job is hockey. I think the other sports, it's below par. Above par, I guess, is worse. Above par is a lot worse. Yeah. I I just don't think it's good. I don't think it's good in the NFL. I think it's terrible in baseball. Your Your problem has been created with the way they've designed the rules and the way that the rules are then interpreted by the individuals. There's interference on every play. They only call the egregious interference. There's holding on every play. Holding's legal. They only call the egregious holding. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now it's subjective up to the guy to say, okay, is that egregious holding or isn't it? But that's what they've done to the officials. Hmm. The NFL has done that to the officials. They've made things that were illegal legal, but only the worst of of the illegality will get called. That's the problem. That's what they've done. They'll say they didn't do it, but that's exactly what they've done over the course of time. To the point where when they come in and they talk to you, they get the officials, and the official will say, well, what? Holding is not holding what? If it's not at the ball, of, at, the, at the attack. Point of attack? Yeah, at the point of attack. If it's not at the point of attack and it's on the backside, it's not holding. If the play goes for negative yardage or no game, they don't want it called. Mm-hmm. The NFL does not want it called. It'll slow the game down, hmm. okay? So if it goes for a, a no yardage, negative yardage, they don't want the play called. So when do you throw it? If you start outside, it's okay as long as you work back inside. The thing they'll get the holding call if you throw them to the ground. Yeah, That's an automatic holding call. Even if the guy was so unathletic, all he did was fall down on his face. <laughs> they'll, they'll call that holding. So the, the NFL has done that to their officials, through their head officials, lecturing them on what to call and what not to call. That's why you see so much wire numbers down offensively this year. Quarterbacking numbers, receiving numbers. We're at 17 games. You had no 5,000-yard passers. Across the board. Zero. Points were down. Why? Well, because you don't call anything anymore. Hmm. There there are zero penalties out there except for the most egregious penalties. That's a really good study for this offseason. 50 plays where I could show, and and, and me and you can go holding no no hold. Every play I'd show you would be no interference, no holding. And you can clearly see the interference and the holding that's taking place. That'll be some good work for this season, yeah. like kind of looking at different data sets and seeing, like, why was it down so much and how much did officiating contribute to that? I but like the, that. But the blame is not with the individual referees. The blame is with the NFL and how they're teaching the officials and how they're instructing the officials. It's their fault. So they're the ones that got to change it and go back to the way it was earlier yeah where listen if the guy's got his paws all over him and they're 20 yards downfield that's interference tony's in joliet what's up tony hey how's it going guys love the show thank you, thank you. um Carm, um i got a lot of things on my mind but i know you got a little time um when you give out your stats your dvoas and your epas for us per game or per play i have no idea what you're talking about dude i'm not it doesn't interest me i'm not I don't get excited or impressed. Um, I don't know what to say when, when you give out your, your stats. Um, the thing, the little stat that you gave about uh, Kansas City's EPA per play or whatever that was, I, I'm not impressed by that because I don't know what that means. 
And uh, for Yerks, dude, I love you because you're not a homer who makes it bad radio. You you give out the facts, you give out the big skinny, and I just love you for your take on the games and on sports in general. Love you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, Tony. Just listen to the DVOA and all the other stuff that's out there. I think rather than understanding exactly what the number is, is to just uh, recognize where the rank is. Okay, where do you rank with that statistic in the league? You know what I'm saying? Sure. I think that's really kind of the important thing. If you don't want to learn about the number, I, yeah, that's I, fine. I don't want to sit there with the equation and, and the mathematician that worked it all out to understand exactly where you're putting everything. What I do want to know is just where does it rank within the NFL? Are we in the top quarter? Are we in the second quarter? Are we in the third quarter? Are we near the bottom? I think no matter what number comes out, I, it's where they rank within the NFL is just kind of an easier way to process the information rather than understand exactly what the hell it means. Yeah, I, if we, I told you just if you don't understand the number, that's fine. It's just yeah. that Kansas City was far and away number one. Mm-hmm. That's all you really need to know. Right. I find it amusing that Tony wants to hear uh, facts but doesn't like EPA per play. <laughs> well, that, that's called a fact, Tony. Right, right. But, you know, listen, Carm, I'm in the business. <laughs> And I see so many of these numbers come across the whole top, and I got to look at them and I got to figure out exactly what they are and what they are not. That's why I want to know where it's ranked in the league. Amazing. So when you do that stuff, and I just always go, I listen to where the rank is. Yes. So that's the important thing is where the rank. What are you with your peers? Yes. So yes, I think, and when I hear you do the numbers, or I'm listening to sports radio as I'm driving, maybe got the satellite on, satellite in my ears, but. When I got satellite radio and stuff on, then I'm looking for rank. Where do they rank within the NFL? I think that's an easier way to process information. Yeah, that's put right. a little bit of it into the right. back of your mind so that you can know yeah. who's good, why they're good right. potentially. And if like, you I always make do a that with sacks, too. I do that like with that. the Carm. I do that with sacks over the course of the year. You got one team that's had 600 yards or 600 passes attempted against them. They lead the league with 55 uh, sacks. You got another team that, because they were poor, didn't get as many opportunities. They ended up with 32 sacks, but they only had 425 passes attempted against them. We can find a number. Percentage. Yeah, we can find a number that would we, we'd go in between to find out exactly which one was better. Or how close were those compared to, how do we compare them to each other? You know, 55 and 32, that's a great disparity. Yeah. But if you do it per how many sacks per pass attempt, mm-hmm. and then how many how many sacks per quality pass rushing opportunity, which is second and seven plus, third and four plus, first and ten, that's, you know, that uh, kind of thing. That's why the win rate numbers are sometimes right. useful. Yes. You know, should use all of it. It's good. Uh, you should put yeah. it all into the calculus because it could help. Right. Andrew Siciliano from the NFL Network will talk a little Super Bowl and, more importantly, Senior Bowl with us coming up next. We'll see what he thinks the Bears should do, what they're going to do. And he was down there at Mobile at the uh, Senior Bowl, so we'll see what the, the buzz was. And I think most of it is centered around the Bears and Caleb Williams and that number one overall pick. So Andrew will join us when we come back next. Working from home? We're back in the office. Don't miss a minute of Carmen and Yurko. Just ask your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Super Bowl week. And 
The NFL descending upon Sin City. Can't wait to get out there on uh, Thursday to talk to Todd Furman. I mean, we're not going out there. I've just been like via technology. Todd Furman will join yes. us on the phone live in Vegas. We are not going. Andrew Siciliano will be out there later this week as well for Super Bowl 58. He's in L.A. right now. You see Andrew all over NFL Network throughout the course of the season and the offseason. Saw him a lot doing uh, good coverage last week with the crew down in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. So we're like, hey, let's throw Andrew on for a few minutes, pick his brain on the Bears in the offseason, the Senior Bowl, and the Super Bowl, and things like that. So, joining us now on the CarX Tire and Auto Guest Hotline, it is Andrew Siciliano from the NFL Network. He's with Carmen and Yurko on AM1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Andrew, how are you, buddy? Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Long time. How are you guys? It has been a long time. Well. We're doing well, Andrew. We're well. You're looking good, good. good as always. Uh, sounding good as what? always. You know, I don't know, you, I don't know what the you. secret is, Andrew. Um, I, good genes, and <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I wish I had a secret. I don't have one. I'm I'm fortunate. Thank my dad. Lots of Southern uh, California sun. I've got my Calvin night. Klein's on. Great genes, right <laughs> there. Great genes, yeah. There you go. What, uh, how was, uh, biggest reaction or biggest takeaway maybe uh, from you personally from doing a lot at the Senior Bowl last week? Ah, biggest reaction. It's a great offensive line class. Um, it, it's a good quarterback class at the top, although I don't know, uh, other than maybe Michael Penix, maybe Bo Nix as well, that all that quarterback talent, obviously, um, that may make an impact next year was in Mobile. Uh, not a great tight end class. Um, I think it's a good pass rusher class. Um, did I mention good O tackle class? Yes. Very, yeah. very, very good. Um, but look, guys, this draft will come down to what it always comes down to. Um, the shiny objects at the top, um, and, and the quarterbacks. I also think overall, um, after, I know we say this a lot, but after the first four rounds, I think you're going to see a lot of trades because the second half of this draft is, is not, is not good. It is a weird year where like half the guys at the senior bowl, I felt actually were like, seniors as an AARP seniors. Um, I mean, there were so many players that were six year guys because the combination of the extra COVID year plus the NIL money where kids are staying rather than going to the league. It is an older group. And, and many would say a watered down, not so great draft group after the top perfect example uh Sione Vaki who is a two-way player from Utah he's really good safety but he's also a third down back he had a couple of picks he had like 50 tackles and he had like 500 yards and, and five touchdowns hmm. uh, as a third down back uh, the guy's awesome the kid went on a two-year Mormon mission as we often see players from Utah and BYU do and then he played two years so he's a true sophomore with four years in college, yet even with that mission, he is one of the younger players at the Senior Bowl. It used to be, you go on your mission for two years, and you come back like, man, that guy's old. Nope, he was one of the younger guys. Hmm. That is wild. Like, And so the COVID year was a one-off. Let's hope we never have to go through that again. So you kind of understand that. But I think you touched on something, the NIL. Look, for a guy like Caleb Williams or any first-round pick, no amount of NIL is ever going to be able to equate what those guys are going to make uh, at the NFL level, but like you said, when you get into the back half, when you get into the day three picks, now all of a sudden maybe it makes some sense. So is this a trend that continues going forward where you see guys playing out their full eligibility and maybe squeezing out that fifth year yeah. and then coming into the NFL? I, I, I do think it's a trend, but there's also so much up in the air. I mean, the Big Ten, the SEC, you know, launching their advisory committee next year. I mean, who knows truly what the future of college football looks like. You had Jeff Halfley at Power Five, head coach at BC last week. 
leave to take yeah. a defensive coordinator job for the Packers. I think yeah. you might see more moves like that hmm. as well because college coaches don't want to deal with the nonsense. And, look, it, it's an ever-changing landscape. It could be vastly different next year for reasons that right now we have no concept of. But, you know, if, if you're a college coach and you're getting a call every day from a mom, a dad, a handler, a marketing agent, whatever, saying, hey, my guy needs more money, well, we'll hmm. talk about it after the, uh, after the spring game. Well, he ain't going to be there for the spring game if you don't get more money. I mean, that's the kind of world college football coaches live in right now. Uh, so last week down there at the Senior Bowl, how much of the conversation did you find was about sort of the Bears, what they're going to do, what people are hearing, and Caleb Williams potentially going number one to the Bears? Um, uh, I would say there was a good amount of talk. I, I think the, the head coach movement last week was a little juicier when it came to uh, – what people were talking about over beers in old fashioned in the middle of the night, old fashions <laughs> rather. But um, I, look, I, I think the consensus is, and Justin Fields fans may not want to hear this. I think the consensus is you you take Caleb Williams. Period. Full stop. End of conversation. Now, if somebody you know wants to move up and, and pay your ransom, and you're happy moving down a spot or two and taking a different quarterback or sticking with Justin, then go for it. I also don't think it's a binary decision. I don't know that it's a Justin versus Caleb decision, and I told Waddle and Sylvie this a couple of weeks ago. Like, let's say you love Drake May. Now, I mean, Drake May probably had um, uh, people had a better opinion of him last year before this, but I wouldn't take this past year and write him off. But look, you really like Drake May? Then trade down to two and take Drake May. You know, yeah. and, and trade Justin and the number one pick right. and see what you can get. Um, but I, I think they take Caleb. Uh, you do. Okay. That does seem to be the general consensus at this point as well. What do you know or what can you tell us, Andrew, about, you know, you're out there, you're in Southern California, and I, I don't mean to insinuate you're like extremely close to USC or, or to what, what's happening there, but like, what do you, what do you guys hear about the personality and the type of guy he is? And what, what do you make of USC maybe chanting, we're a team now after, you know, the win uh, in the bowl game in the holiday bowl in which Caleb didn't play? Like, how do you, how, how would you tell Bears fans who have questions how to process all that? I, I think there there are a little, there are far more quarterbacks over the last decade about which I have had concern coming into the league than I do Caleb, Caleb mm, Williams. Okay, um, I yeah, I, I don't have a problem with the guy at all. Now, have I ever met him? Nope. Full stop. I've not met him, and I'm not going to pretend like I know him personally. I think a lot of the chatter um, around the league, the concern isn't Caleb. It's well, geez, is dad going to try to, you know, mess up the draft process, right? Is dad going to say, I don't want to go here, I don't want to go there, we only want to go there, we want equity. I mean, a lot of that stuff is off-the-record stuff, and people just think he wants to do that. Um, but, you know, I can tell you, he, he has certainly um, tried to put his thumb on a scale, a thumb on the scale, I, I think, a bit behind the scenes, but um, he's not going to break the NFL draft, you know? Mm. If he doesn't want to go, he doesn't want to go to the team that drafts him, okay, sit out a year. I don't think any quarterback or any player in this day and age um, is willing to sit out the air considering the, the earning opportunities. Now, will we get to a place one day, talking about the NIL money, where there's so much money to be made off the field that a player does say, I am willing to sit out a year because I have so much marketing income? Hmm. Maybe, but you're also losing a huge year of football income and i just can't see that happen most of the times when you go to a senior bowl you know stock rises you, you, you your yeah. game you know heightens was there anybody at the senior bowl that crapped out 
Um, ooh, that's a good one, Yurko. Um, so the other way around, I, I wouldn't say crapped out, but I, I would say Layatu Latu, the uh, UCLA pass rusher, who's still very much going to be a first-round pick. Um, he came in with a lot of hype. I, I don't know that you saw great one-on-one reps from him during the week. He's also a guy that, that didn't stick around on game day on Saturday, which is becoming more and more of a problem for this game and a lot of the college all-star games. Um, he's one. Um, yeah, Tez Walker, unfortunately, uh, yeah. the, the UNC wide receiver. Yeah. And honestly, I feel for the kid. Um, you know, he only had one drop all year. He dropped everything this week. And when I say everything, I mean I mean literally everything. Um, they even they even schemed up a, a flea flicker on the first play from scrimmage in the game, and and he dropped that too. Um, now he tried to one handed. He was covered well. It's not like it was the easiest catch, but he should have caught it. So is he still a first round pick? I don't know. He's got a lot of time to make up for it between now and April twenty fifth. But I think he was the one disappointment flip side like Darius Robinson uh the Missouri defensive end looked fantastic uh Quinion Mitchell the Toledo corner there's a good story he could have gone NIL anywhere last year any school he wanted to he stayed at Toledo and he had a fantastic week and he's a first round pick uh two things before we let you go Andrew Siciliano from the NFL Network joining us uh, in Southern California with the Chargers, like I don't think they move the meter much. That that poor team never has a home field advantage. I, like they getting a little pop from Harbaugh, or do we yeah. have to wait and like see what the season, you know, how the season goes before there's any genuine? Uh, no, they're they're definitely getting a pop okay. now. I, I think that the, the bigger question with the Chargers is long term. You, you got to build a fan base here where where they care about you long term. And and in L.A., real quick, I'll try to make this quick. I know I'm long winded. 20 years we didn't have a team here, right? So you lost an entire generation or generations of fans who grew up with Sunday ticket and fantasy and football on their phone, and they didn't need to care about a local team, right? So then the two local teams came, or they came back, or whatever you want to say, and the Rams immediately hit and won a Super Bowl, got to two Super Bowls, like they they grabbed you. And and the Chargers were always, eh, maybe, like, what if? Right. Um, this was supposed to be their year this past year. Justin Herbert, all the primetime games, they flopped. Everybody got fired. The Rams were supposed to tank. They made the playoffs. Yeah. Right. So it was a missed opportunity last year. Um, the buzz on Harbaugh is great. Mm. Um, and I do think it makes a difference. Uh, at, but, you know, I think their bigger concern is, is actually digging into the ground and making sure this is a foundation to move yeah. forward. Okay, final thing. You're going to Vegas uh, in a few days here. Give us, like, the 60-second handicap Super Bowl 58. How do you see it going? Oh, man, I have a hard time rooting against and Not rooting. Um, betting, of course, for recreational purposes, even in <laughs> Vegas, against the Chiefs. Um, I, I've done it a few times already this year in the postseason, and I failed and failed miserably. Um, I, 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 do, I do think it's a Chiefs game, but look, if the Niners come out and beat them by three touchdowns, I wouldn't be surprised there either. I know I'm kind of punting on that one. It's only Tuesday, guys. I know, I come know. On. We got plenty more time to like really dig in here. It's going to be, uh, no matter what, like I could see both sides of it too, like you just said, that the 49ers are so dynamic and so explosive, and for whatever reason it hasn't really manifested in the first halves of these last two playoff games, but they're just so unbelievably dangerous and dynamic on offense that like if they ran away and like hide would I be shocked probably not but I'm with you like I was on the wrong side last or two week 10 days ago I had the money line ravens ticket Pfft. oops well, I mean betting against here, Mahomes here. is crazy 
You, you won a good one, and I don't think it applied last week. Who scored first in the AFC Championship game? The Chiefs did, right? The Chiefs did. Yeah, it went okay, right down. So it didn't apply to that game. game. Going into that game, the Chiefs had been down by seven or more points in a postseason game ten times under Patrick Mahomes. Jeez. They were eight and two. Jeez. Eight and two. Think it's, about that. It, it's crazy. So if the Niners get themselves a lead, it ain't over. Yeah, it doesn't. Especially matter. considering they were up ten of the Dolphins, you know, before the world changed with COVID a couple of years ago. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right, great stuff, buddy. It's always nice catching up. We'll be watching the rest of this week. Have fun in Vegas. All right, guys. Travel safe. See, See you, brother. You. All right, Thank there you. he is, Andrew Siciliano from the NFL Network, joining us on the CarX Tire and Auto Guest Hotline. It's Carmen and York. We'll be right back. Zoning out on that Zoom meeting? Zoom, 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 Zoom. Find out what Carmen and Yurko were talking about. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. I don't think this qualifies as controversy, but uh, already a little incident. Did you hear about the field conditions at UNLV for the Niners yesterday? I did not. So uh, the Niners held their first on-field activity at UNLV on Monday. It won't be their last. According to players, the surface was a bit soft when they went through their walkthrough. Kyle Shanahan said at Super Bowl opening night that the team does not intend to alter where or how it will practice this week. It is what it is, Shanahan said. We'll be all right. It's the field we got. We're good. Early Monday, sources told Adam Schefter that members of the Niners organization did not care for the playing surface. In anticipation of the Niners using the field this week, the NFL installed a sod field on top of the current field turf surface. I do have questions of why they would do that. Sources told Schefter that the sod field was installed just last week, though the NFL normally requires Super Bowl practice fields to meet certain standards in December and that the NFL hardness score for the fields averages 78 with no field being scored less than 70. The Niners field for the week landed somewhere in the 50s. So normally they have to be approved by December. The field score is supposed to be no less than 70, yet they're breaking their own protocols. Of course, Roger Goodell disagreed with any notion that something is amiss here, because that's what he does. So are they playing in Sam Boyd Stadium? Is that where they're at? In UNLV Stadium? They're playing at UNLV's field. I don't know if it's so a practice field. Or, well, I their don't practice know. fields are already grass. Only, okay, only okay. their field is turf. Then they put a, a sod turf over field turf. Why would they do that? I don't know. That's silly. Especially if you've got regular grass fields. Well, why would you just use the, 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 the three grass practice fields that they have? Is it because... I'm just checking. What is a Legion field, guys? Is it is it natural sod? Is it yeah? Natural? It's natural grass. So is that it, why? it's one of those fields that sits outside in the sun and they, and they it wheel in. it in. So yeah. is that why they put a sod turf so that the players would be used to something that is going to be like the surface of the football field on Sunday? I'm assuming that's why they did that. The Chiefs are practicing at the Raiders facility, so it's not an issue. It just it. I, I only find it curious that. There's supposed to be a few protocols in place, but the NFL seemingly didn't follow those protocols for the Niners. I don't know. They're not going to yeah. make an excuse out of it. So good Bermuda for them. Bermuda grass for the Raiders. Yes, 100% okay. correct. So that's why Absolutely. they put a, a sod turf over the field turf, you think, Eric, so that it would feel must more have. like. Yeah, must have. To give them the replication of grass, but why not just use the practice fields then? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Despite their displeasures, uh, displeasure with the field, the 49ers did not want to make it more of an issue than it was Monday night, noting that practice 
and the game are two different things. Have they anyway. had rain in Vegas recently? I think it was raining earlier, the, like over the weekend. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then, I mean, that's the dilemma. I mean, you lay the field down, you don't have any issues whatsoever, yeah. and then the rain comes, and it's a deluge probably, if I had to guess. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, you lay the field down, and the rains come down on it, and now you've got you know, probably drainage issues. Because you've laid a sod field on top of the turf field. Remember, uh, Todd Furman told us last week the forecast wasn't great for this week. Like temps in the 50s and four, upper 40s, low 50s. They're saying partly cloudy today. The precipitation chances for what it's worth, weather.com, 16. They're saying today it looks like they Yeah, today they're going to get rain, Yurko. So today's rain is likely, 100%. So they are going to get some rain today. The high is 52. After today... There's not a day between now and Sunday in which the precipitation is more than 20%, but they have mostly cool temps in Vegas. Right, mid-50s. Yeah. We'll talk to Todd Furman live in Vegas on Thursday. Lows in the mid-40s and the high 30s. 312-332-3776. If you want to ring us up, it's Carmen and York. We're back in two minutes.